0: You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. We'll be bringing you the tech news that matters. We've got some tips and tricks to help you make better use out of your tech. And if you're lucky, we'll also bring you some recommendations selected by myself, Christian Corley, and this week's co-host Gavin Phillips. Gavin, how are you doing?
1: Doing really well, Christian. Nice weekend filled with lots of pizza. How about yourself? (laughs) How much pizza? A lot of pizza. Pizza (laughs) on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So I'd say that's a decent amount of pizza for one weekend.
0: (laughs) That is a lot of pizza for one weekend. I wish I'd had a lot of pizza. I don't eat an awful lot of pizza these days uh, for dietary reasons. But uh, when I I get the opportunity, I uh, enjoy it considerably. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I had a good weekend here. Uh, Weather well, hasn't been too great, so uh, we uh, just did stuff around the house. Really, bit of gaming, bit of Mario Kart, a few other bit, a few other games. Did my uh, sort of uh, weekly slash monthly mull over whether to upgrade the uh, Nintendo Switch account to the ex- expanded account. Um, <laughs> oh, I still haven't committed. <laughs> Uh, So uh, we've got for you a few things to discuss this week. Uh, We're going to have a look at uh, the best Microsoft app for 2022 voting, um, Windows 11 now in a box, and a few tips and tricks that will help you make better use of the technology that you already have and we as i said we've got some recommendations at the end of the show but we'll kick off uh, a few weeks ago we discussed this and now uh, it is now a thing that is actually happening the 2022 Microsoft Store App Awards it's what? bigger than the oscars oh my gosh i can't believe this is a real thing <laughs> it doesn't
1: even make sense
0: <laughs> now we we i can't remember whether it was gavin or ben that was on when we talked about this last time, but it's basically, we suspect it's a method for Microsoft to detect which apps have a following, although based on installs, they should know that already. um, And whether it's some sort of, get a better look at how people are using it, what they expect from apps, and hopefully some sort of vague attempt to get rid of the spammy apps.
1: Yeah, I would think so. Um, Also, some of the apps, I mean, do have a proper following, don't they? I mean, ones like Excel, for instance, have, it's not just people using them for work, people use them for so many different things. I mean, I'm sure you're aware, Christian, there's the Excel world championships. Do you know about this? What? So okay right, so, <laughs> so you're having a laugh no I'm really not so there's it's not called specifically called the Microsoft Excel World Championships but there is a uh, like a financial data modeling world championships which of course uses microsoft excel as you know the go-to tool for everyone so it's you know known by the by as the microsoft excel world championship and you could be the world champion of excel you know i think that's awesome okay uh well
0: (laughs) we have esports these days why not excel sports
1: Oh yeah! Imagine tuning into that on your uh, Friday evening on, on Twitch. Just gonna watch some Excel, darling.
0: <laughs> well, it makes it chasing that women's
1: football. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> another matter entirely. Uh, so yes, uh, Microsoft is giving you the chance to vote for your favourite Microsoft Store app. Uh, so good luck. Um, uh, they've even produced a form. Oh, nice um it's not just like you know you don't just get the opportunity to go into the store app and then choose something they've actually um compiled uh two lists i think it is one of uh, community choice open platform of utility oh three lists and file management they're your categories and then you choose the best ones from those uh yeah and it's a bit dull isn't it but you know there you go um does we? I mean, I still don't really get the. I know what it's for, and I understand why it's used, and you know the the, the ethos behind it, and all, all that sort of thing with the Microsoft Store, and Windows Ten, and Windows Eleven, and Windows Eight before that. But ultimately, is it really that much easier than going to a website and installing something? I don't think it. Given the vast choice of utter garbage that's on there, I don't really think it adds anything to Windows. What do you think?
1: Um. So I think there's a definite difference between the old store that we had um, on Windows 8 and for a long time on Windows 10. So the Windows 11 Microsoft Store definitely shook things up a bit. It's mm-hmm. definitely way more usable than what we've seen previously from Microsoft. And they've obviously listened to concerns that you've literally just raised. Like there's so much trash to wade through to find what I actually want. What's the point in using this? So it's a lot more structured now and you're more likely to find stuff sitting under the proper categories as well that you'd expect, you know, like photo editing will have actual apps that you want to use rather than a whole bunch of spamware or whatever. And the other obvious benefit of the Microsoft Store uh, versus a, you know, a separate download is that your apps will always update the latest version automatically, which can be really handy if you worried about security and stuff like that, or you always want to be on the latest version. So, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Christian, I, I'd always go to the website and, and download something separately. But for those who do want to put updates into the back of the mind, it's, it's worth considering maybe. Yeah.
0: I mean, I suppose if you're in tablet mode, then maybe this is useful, but the rest of the time it doesn't. I never use it basically. No, so. no, I never use it let us move on now to a very interesting uh i say very interesting slightly interesting topic you can now buy windows 11 in retail box form so um this might seem strange because most computers don't have a dvd/cd or optical whatever drive anymore um but these boxes contain a windows 11 usb drive uh they retail at um Hundred and thirty nine ninety nine dollars 99 for home and one nine 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 99 for pro versions. That's kind of cool. You can buy Windows 11 off the shelf again, which is useful if you don't have a computer to download anything through. And then, you know, a spare computer, secondary computer, a friend's computer, family member's computer. Come on, these things aren't going to happen. I can't see this selling an awful lot, but I suppose it's useful to have, isn't it? Although it is expensive. It is an expensive USB drive.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you'd think they're not going to bulk it out to be like a a 16 or a 32 gig drive. It's going to be what maximum eight. That's all uh, a Windows installation takes these days. So if you make one of, at home using Microsoft's um, media creation tool, that's, that's all you need. So I mean, they're like I said, they're not going to chuck you in a, a nice big drive just for fun, are they? So no. yeah, I mean, yes interesting good in the use cases you laid out a lot of people probably aren't sure about how to go online and uh find out how to use the media creation tool uh we've got lots of articles about that on makeuseof.com um if you are wondering how but yeah if not then this is you know a good option absolutely uh, so yeah on the shelf
0: off the shelf into your cd drive no because there isn't a the cd in it it's a usb drive
1: that's it imagine they did ship a disc i i don't know i I wouldn't be able to use it
0: (laughs) well i um i'm actually using right hold on what have i got in front of me i've got 13 inch in front of me no drive i've got the hp envy in front of me which has a dvd drive and that's and then i've got my windows computer in the house this is the hp envy is the only
1: one i've got that has a dvd drive yeah, I have the same. My laptop is the only thing that has a disk drive. And I've been toying with swapping that out actually for another storage space, um, swap it out for a hard drive or another yeah. SSD because well, it just gets so little use.
0: I've been thinking about doing the same. And I've done it before. There's actually a tutorial I'll make use of when I demonstrate how you do this. But the curious thing I noticed that when I did that, mm. you know, that sort of like gearing sound you get just before your CD drive activates? Yeah. It still did that.
1: Oh wow, interesting. Which so was really that is sort weird. Worrying, yeah.
0: Not quite the worrying, but that they just sort of like it's just sort of like uh, sort of like, like gear sound or an activating sound or something like a motor activating sound, or something like that. It's as yeah. if the computer didn't know, it, although it did know. Maybe the hardware didn't. Maybe there's some sort of like hardwired hardware in there that refers to the CD drive in the uh, BIOS level, then tries to activate it something like that it's difficult to say but basically what happened there would always be a sort of like a half to one second hang and a, with an accompanying uh sound from within the computer whilst i'd replaced the hard at the times when i replaced hard disk with the uh, cd drive
1: oh interesting yeah well I'll, I'll go and look up your article and then uh, look how to do it because it looks from what i've what i've read it does look fairly like a fairly simple yeah, it, process it's
0: straightforward definitely yeah. You don't need any. All you need is a screwdriver. There's no soldering, no rewiring required. Delicious. That,
1: that's the sort of DIY I like.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, if you're new to Bitcoin or your name is Amy, you might be interested in Bitcoin Pizza Day. This is a commemoration of the first ever cryptocurrency transaction for a tangible object. Uh, Gavin. I always defer to you on matters of cryptocurrency. What's this all about?
1: So Bitcoin Pizza Day is the, as you said, the first time people have recorded that someone making a significant purchase of something tangible. Uh, And in this case, uh, it was two pizzas. And the price paid for the two pizzas was a whopping 10,000 Bitcoin, which at the time, in May 2010, was worth the humble sum of 40 bucks. Oh. Yeah, not bad, eh? Ten thousand nowadays... Nowadays, it's worth over $300 million. (laughs) But, so before you think about it, the guy who received the pizza, uh, received the Bitcoin for the pizzas did not hold on to the Bitcoin. Unfortunately, he is not a multi 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 millionaire, which is a shame because that would have have been the perfect story.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. He could have uh, really grown his pizza outlet with that. Couldn't he? (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a small, momentous day in the history of Bitcoin that comes around every year and reminds people that although Bitcoin is obviously used predominantly for currency speculation these days, it does also have tangible use and you can use Bitcoin to buy uh, buy real things in the real world. Is it worth
0: um, as a a sidestep from this amusing crypto coin chat quickly going over just what's happened in the crypto world over the past week and why the
1: prices have uh, crashed oh yeah okay so the Bitcoin price and the wider market have taken a bit of a I say a a considerable slam throughout the last sort of two weeks or so Um, the markets were already looking slightly shaky at the start of April Um, this is being compounded by a cryptocurrency outfit called Terra Labs, who run two different cryptocurrencies um, one uh, called Terra UST and one called Terra Luna. Uh, without getting really bogged down in it, these two cryptocurrencies are linked together. They attempt to keep the price of one of them, Terra UST, stable and pegged to one dollar. This is what's known as a stable coin. Um, the price of the stable coin depegged from one dollar, which means it dropped off and it kept dropping. So the coin linked to it, Terra Luna, uh, started to be put more of this out onto the market in an attempt to stabilize it. Now. That caused massive, massive inflation on the price of uh, Terra Luna, which forced the price from over $120 per token down to absolute zero. It's worth nothing. And this happened overnight within a period of about 12 hours. The price crashed. Uh, wiped out about 50 odd billion from the crypto markets instantly. People have lost their life savings, all sorts of stuff. Um, so people involved in those two cryptocurrencies are having a uh, a very, very bad time at the moment. But the wider market, um, as Christian said, has also taken a bit of a hammering on this basis with the price of Bitcoin now hovering around 23. I think at the time of writing from the start of the year when it was up around uh, up above 40 and towards 50 but also for perspective although that sounds like a massive massive loss which it is um, that's still around $20,000 more than it was at the start of 2019 Uh, it was still only around $3,000 per coin so as lots of people in the world of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency say don't look at the week Take a step back and look at the bigger picture because it's highly likely, although obviously this is not financial advice and we do not deliver financial advice, it's highly likely the price of Bitcoin uh, will recover. Well, that's what everybody's praying for anyway.
0: Yeah, it's uh, one to keep an eye on if you have any crypto. Even if you don't, it's going to be interesting either way. Let's move on now to a look at how to connect two routers together to boost your Wi-Fi. And I'm delighted to see this uh, appearing on Make Use of by Josh Cole because it's something I've done, and I've messed it up slightly in such a way <laughs> that one of the routers uh, stops my Xbox from going
1: online. Oh, interesting. So yeah, that this... sounds like it would be the DHCP Yeah, exactly. Routers. And I don't yeah. seem to
0: be able to communicate with, with the second router. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Hey. This is a really good thing. Basically, what you can do, you can connect two routers with an Ethernet cable, your main router and then the secondary router, maybe an old router from your previous ISP or something like that, and then extend the coverage of your wireless network around your home. What you need is a primary router, a secondary router, an Ethernet cable, a computer, and obviously an internet connection, and you basically connect the two devices over to- together with the Ethernet cable, but before you do that, you need to set up each router individually, and this helps you to avoid the network problems that I've just described that I've encountered. So it's straightforward, but the problem is we can't really go into this in any particular detail because router interfaces differ wildly, don't they?
1: Yeah, everyone is different, especially uh, if you're using, you know, the the, the one supplied, typically supplied by your, your ISP. Those do tend to come with less options than if you you buy your own router, don't they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But um, generally speaking, genuinely generally speaking, (laughs) the primary router should have DHCP enabled and the secondary router should not have it enabled and you know there's a couple of other things that you'll need to check in there as well but that's the general gist of it we have a full guide for this which you will find a link to in the show notes along with everything else that we discuss in this week's really useful podcast now what if you get an email that you consider to be slightly suspicious or particularly intriguing and you want to know where it's come from well you could look at the email address but that's only going to tell you so much. Perhaps if it's been sent from webmail, it's going to tell you absolutely nothing. If it's come from an institution or an organisation, at the very least, the end of the email will give you a clue as to what that organisation is and how to get back in touch with them. However, there are other ways to uh, track email addresses, aren't there, Gavin?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... I'd say there's, there's two primary ways you can attempt to do this. And I say attempt because although you can use these methods to look through the information given to you, there's actually no real guarantee that you'll find the route of where the email was sent from. However, let's discuss the, the methods before considering why they might not work. So the first option is. Uh, the data in the full email header. And so every email sent has this thing called an email header, and that contains all the information relating to where it came from, who sent it, which servers it's been through, which service it is using, and all of this sort of stuff. And all of this information is collectively known as metadata, you know, the data about the data. Sure. So with gmail outlook apple yahoo what, whatever email service it is every email will have an email header you might have ones that are more anonymized and deliver less information for instance uh, proton mail the privacy anonymous focused email stuff uh, i know has a very very cut down uh, header <clears throat> excuse me but so you can take this information and you can read through the header in an attempt to figure out where it came from. So you'll have categories like delivered to, and that would be who received the email, Uh, and it will have something like return path, and that's where it would go back to if it was bounced back. You'll also have things like authenticate results, and that's where the email has been authenticated from, and that's another way you can see where it has come from. However, the problem with it is, is that looking at it as a human uh, with normal eyes, unless you've looked at an awful lot of email headers, a lot of it looks just like gobbledygook. There's so many different bits of information thrown at you that it's, it's basically impossible to discern what you're actually looking at. So that leads me to the second way you could do it, and that's use a tool to help you figure out where it's come from, which makes everything much nicer and much easier. So there's a couple of tools you can use to do this. One of the best ones is uh, MX Toolbox. You pop it in and it will tell you the originating IP uh, or, or an original IP. And hopefully that will lead you to um, the yeah, the first IP address. That's internet protocol address, the address linked to your internet connection. Um, And we'll show you where it has come from now. That's really good on one sense. You've got an IP address, which you could use to find a geographical location, but every IP address is linked to a geographical location. However, the problem with that then (laughs) is that we're not all sending emails from a single geographical location and especially people who are using services like Gmail, uh, Outlook Online, Yahoo, anything like that are not sending an email from their home. They're sending it from Google's server or Microsoft's server. So if you take that IP address that you were given and you throw it into uh, a tool called that's known as an IP lookup tool, you'll find them online. There's lots of them. Uh, it's not going to tell you. Where that person's house is is going to tell you where the last server that processed the email is. Um, again, that is information, but it's not useful. Which is a shame, but uh,
0: it's kind of understandable, isn't it? That um, I mean, there's, there's no way, really. You know, if I send a, an email from my phone whilst in London, no one's going to know
1: where I was. No, absolutely, and in reality, you don't really want people to be able to look up where you sent an email from, do you? Um, I know if I sent an email from my email account, it would probably say somewhere nearby because I use a, a Cornish posting service from Cornwall. So it would say somewhere in Cornwall. But you know, on that you would only get to wherever those servers are hosted in Cornwall, you know? Yeah. So I think for me, anyway, the privacy trumps anything else.
0: We now reach that part of the show where we say, what are your recommendations? We don't actually say that. We've never actually said that before. But, I mean, it's a new introduction to this part of the show. It is the recommendation section in which uh, Gavin and myself will offer a uh, something that we've experienced, electronic or digitally streamed or entertainment or a gadget or some hardware anything like that and uh, which we we think you may be interested to learn more about Uh, we haven't discussed this in advance in any detail Uh, gavin knows what i may suggest i have no idea what he's going to suggest but i guess the main question is which one of us is going first uh i could go first if
1: you want christian oh go on then yeah all right i will (laughs) Okay, so uh, this week I am going to suggest uh, some earbuds that I reviewed recently for makeuseof.com. I feel like they are worthy of suggestion to our listeners and they are called the One More Comfo Buds Mini. And the reason I mention these uh, earbuds is because they are uh, apparently the smallest earbuds... On the market, the smallest ANC earbuds I'll add on the market in the world. So they measure um, 3.7 grams per bud and they are around the size of a, a thumbnail. Um, I don't have particularly big hands, I must say. So okay. <laughs> if you've got bigger thumbs,
0: <laughs> I ain't going to um, get that in
1: my ear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the thumbnail though. So um, they are genuinely incredibly small. They fit um, perfectly inside your ear. Um, And if you are someone who likes to attempt to sleep with earbuds in, as I know a lot of people do, um, they're actually the first earbuds I've ever used that I could keep in without issue for the entire night. Um, They are not, they don't have a stem or anything like that. They are proper, actual, buds so they sit within your ear canal Um, and more to boot they actually sound really good for the size and the technology that they've uh, managed to fit into them the anc works really really well they use bluetooth 5.2 you get uh, about six hours of playback on the buds up to 25 hours on the carry case and overall uh, considering their size and Um, versus what other things you can find in the market. I think they are really quite good. Okay, that's cool.
0: Excellent. Uh, You'll find a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Now it's time for my... uh, Now, in in a week in which... I've had a bit of a varied week, actually, and uh, I've discovered that I absolutely hate 3D printers, for example. (laughs) More on that next week. And I've also discovered the... um, the the virtues of um, exercise bikes in front of the telly, or in other words, in front of the game console. <laughs>
1: nice. Oh yes.
0: Uh, so um, I've, um, I've it's kind of a it's a weird recommendation, but basically I've discovered that I can we bought an exercise bike. I'm beyond 45 now, so keeping keeping a little bit trim is kind of important. Uh, my wife feels similarly. And we don't have space for new bikes at the moment. So uh, we, we've got some uh, building work planned for later in the year for a new bike shed. Uh, but we, So we thought, well, rather than splash out on new bikes, we'll just get an exercise bike. And, um, you know, we've got plenty of space in front of the TV. Xbox, Switch, they're both in front of the TV. Also the Evercade. But anyway, the, the point is, I've spent several lunchtimes, and today's going to be another one, in front of the TV playing Jedi Fallen Order oh nice <laughs> whilst, whilst cycling madly and it was really really cool i thought i've i why didn't i discover this years ago why i'm getting fit and playing video games at the same time
1: <laughs> oh, God. so did you did your cycling rate increase as you got further into the game and it doing depended like what i battles. was doing
0: yeah. Um, battles, I tended to pause, but whilst the characters running, um, I was I was pedaling like mad. So, yeah, it was uh, it was really it was really good. And you know, I've burnt off plenty of calories doing this. Um, I'm cycling about uh, 15 kilometers in about 30 minutes, which isn't great. It's certainly not as good as I would have been able to do when I was like 16. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's better than better than nothing. And I think having I'm 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 the sort of person that's really. Kind of well well really defined legs I'm not he-man or anything I've got reasonably <laughs> defined legs for my age um but my t- my top half isn't anything like that <laughs> uh, and I think it's to do with just doing all the lifting work having three children lots of carries and stuff like that I think it's uh, I think yeah. it's probably something to do with that but I mean that's not even my main recommendation because my main recommendation <laughs> was on Friday night I was on the exercise bike playing Mario Kart in a in a custom tournament. I didn't know you could do this. I always I thought previously that you know if you play Mario Kart online you just join a random group. I didn't know you could set up tournaments. So this is kind of my recommendation. is Mario Kart in a custom tournament on an exercise bike.
1: Ah, nice. So, I mean, I've just got to double check is the exercise bike obligatory or can the listener just do the tournament? you can just do the tournament yeah oh nice well uh, i think that makes it easier for everyone to access <laughs> but that does sound really really cool i'm running on like... the spots
0: you know running machine
1: anything oh yeah get on the treadmill nice yeah. have you ever seen those um under desk things that you can get i did it's think about like... getting one and then i thought it was slightly naff oh yeah it's like the bike it's got like bike pedals on it hasn't it yeah. there's ones yeah. that are just like pressing up and down i did also oh. think
0: that maybe i might kind of Spam my kneecaps on the underside of the desk with one of them. Yeah, exactly. Doomf, <laughs> <laughs> doomf, doomf. Yeah, doomf. yeah no, nice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I wanted to avoid that. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. Which brings us neatly to the end of this week's really useful podcast. Uh, you can find all the information that we shared with you in this week's show notes. They should be displayed in the feed on Apple and other uh, podcast providers. Uh, if you are still looking for them, though, if your podcast provider doesn't provide the show notes, then go to MakeYouSoft.com and there you can click the About button and then select Podcasts and you'll find the show notes in the corresponding podcast title there. Uh, If there's anything useful in this show, please share it with your friends and family. We are delighted to welcome more listeners to this show every week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, it's goodbye.